things that God has to say about times like these. Which is wonderful and frustrating, because it's like, damn it, is there, no, is there nothing new under the sun? And the answer is no. It's kind of a logical answer. And we start our answer to the question with a piece from Isaiah. Isaiah 14, verse 27 to 31. It's going to show there, so you can read with me there if you want to. Israel, why then do you complain that the Lord doesn't know your troubles or care if you suffer injustice? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He created all the world. He never grows tired or weary. No one understands his thoughts. He strengthens those who are weak and tired. Even those who are young grow weak, so at least we know we're not alone and we're not old. <coughs> we're just weak. Young men can fall exhausted, except if you're weak, then you're never exhausted. But those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow weak. This is a very beloved verse, especially the last one. Um, you find it on a lot of, uh, especially fridge magnets. If you go into Kum bookstores, this is one of the ones you'll find on mugs on everything. And normally with the beautiful picture, you can go on to the next one. With a beautiful picture, this one I like particularly because it's a little bit a, a more creative take on it. Normally it's an eagle soaring over mountains. This is a little girl with pasted on wings, but she's, she's soaring. With soaring like an eagle. And we are so used to hearing it and seeing those kinds of things that you think when you hear the text it means that God, if you trust in God, if you live in a relationship with Him, if you um, wait on him, he will make you soar like an eagle. And it feels kind of like there should be dramatic music as you... I'm thinking of, um, you're the wind beneath my wings. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of that. So I'm seeing that picture. That's what we think. But what's really interesting is if you keep in mind the progression of the text. And I say progression in... Um, in brackets, because it's not progression the way we think of it. Because how does the verse go? It says you will soar, you will run, you will walk. Which is not the normal poetic progression, would be you will walk, you will run, you will soar. And there we go with the you are the wind beneath my wings thing. Sorry for the podcast, you can't see my poetic movement, feel it. Soar. <laughs> so, that already is interesting, and it's there for a reason. It wasn't an oops by the writer. It, so it's kind of like a degradation, because you go from soaring to running to walking. And that's interesting, why? Let's look at the different elements and then think about why that might be, why the author does that. The first thing, of course, you will soar like an eagle. When we think about times in our lives where things are great, all of us have those times where things are fantastic and we feel like we can burst out if you know the song. If you don't know Wind Beneath My Wings, that just means I'm old, but I'm okay with that. You can burst out into the song Wind Beneath My Wings because you feel inspired and strong and you feel like God is answering your prayers, things are happening. It might not be happening exactly as you thought they would, but they are happening. Things are moving. And it's a wonderful place to be. Um, you. It's where you jump out of bed in the morning and you are 
glad to see everybody and things are fantastic. When we get to running, running without getting tired, already we're down a bit, we're literally from, from heaven onto earth. And if we think about running situations, especially if you think about how life situations work, then running would probably be those situations where everyone is experiencing one of those, where things are a little bit more difficult, things are, you're struggling more, but you are still able to experience that God is good and faithful. It's something that you know in your bones. I um, heard a story about a lady um, once who had cancer. She had a family. And as families who do, who have someone that has cancer, they kept on asking why. Why you? Why does God allow this? And you go through phases of being angry and sad and angry and sad. And they were at the table one evening, because all of these things happen at the dinner table. All of you have families know this. The most awkward things always happen at the dinner table, normally when there are guests around as well. But okay, they were just them at the dinner table. And they were angry again and frustrated again. And she told them, she asked them to please stop. Please stop asking why, why me, why, why you, mom. My life, and this is amazing, I don't know if I would be able to do this, my life is good. Because it wasn't God who gave me this cancer. And even if he doesn't take it away, even if our prayers for healing do not happen, my life is still good. And I will be okay, and you will be okay. Because God loves me, I love God, and He will be with me in everything. Which is amazing, because you think that having cancer would have you walking, maybe crawling. But in that, she was able to still experience God's presence and God's strength. So it's difficult situations, but you are still able to experience it. I think from what I've heard of your father, Nick, he also had a lot of that strength in himself. Then we get to walking. And walking are those times where it's very difficult to even think of, never mind feel, that God is present, that God is with you. You definitely don't feel it. Um, you don't have that soft, warm glow that's nowhere near you. Because your life is just in a place, and it can be for whatever reason, your life is in a place where it's difficult to breathe. It feels like an effort to breathe. And yet, at the end of the day, you've made it again. And tomorrow, you wake up, to which you might think, damn it, I can't believe I've woken up again. <laughs> and you make it. So it's those times where it really feels like, I joked at the beginning, well, Sebi, it feels like, um, in Africa, you talk about fast bait. That's, that's what you're doing. You're getting, you're getting by by gritting your teeth and just 
crawling forward. And the interesting thing when you think about, when we talk about Jewish literature, is that they tend to go from the least common to the most common. When they write a list like this, it's from the least common thing to the most common thing. Which means that the soaring on the wings of an eagle is what you will least experience in life. Walking will be what you most experience in life. Which sounds awfully depressing, I know. And at this note, we will end tonight. I'm kidding. <laughs> we don't want the news tomorrow of <coughs> bad news, let's just say that. No. But I think it's something that all of us can resonate with because if you look back on your life, yes, you've had moments where you've soared, but you've also had moments where you've walked. So, what to do with this? Great, it's great to know that God has allowed for us and for the fact that we are going to be walking most of the time. But what do we do with that? What how do we handle that? That's a difficult place to be. What can inspire us? And the answer here is Hebrews 11 to 13, which we're going to read all of it now. I'm kidding, we're not going to read all of it now. Um, we are going to talk through Hebrews 11 to 13. I'm going to read you one or two verses that are important. Why Hebrews? Because Hebrews is written to people who are walking, they're actually crawling. They're really, really tired. And the author of Hebrews writes them to encourage them. He's trying to give them reasons to, even though they are walking, to be okay with the fact that they're walking. I want to quickly jump back. I forgot to tell you this, and in terms of what makes it even more beautiful in terms of Isaiah, going back to that, is if you look at the context in which it's written. Because we just look at the verses. Ironically enough, Isaiah 39, just before 40, where we hear these beautiful promises, is where King Hezekiah receives visitors from Babylon, and he shows them everything that he has, everything. He takes them to all of his storehouses, to all of his military equipment, and he shows them everything. And Isaiah goes to him and says, um, so I heard there were people from Babylon here, yes, but I, and I showed them everything because God is so good to us. And Isaiah tells him that might not have been the smartest plan because they are gonna come and they're gonna take us over, and you've just shown them everything. So we hear the that the fact that they're going to be taken over, they're going to be destroyed, one of the biggest negative events in history is going to happen then. And right after that, we get the, don't worry, you will fly, you will soar. And this is probably when they are already in exile. Because after this, we hear all of these beautiful promises, like Isaiah 43, which we also love. But all of these promises are made to them while they are in exile. So he's saying to them, don't worry, I have not forgotten about you, I'm still all-powerful, but that doesn't mean the situation is going to end. He tells them, I'm with you, one day there will be redemption, but 
give it at least 40 years. So that's the context in which it tells him you will be walking most of the time. Back to Hebrews. These people are tired. Why are they tired? Because Jesus has come, he has been crucified, he's been resurrected, he has ascended into heaven, the disciples are preaching, and one of the most important things that they're preaching is he's coming back. He's coming back for all of us. And once he's back, everything will be okay. Because the new Jerusalem will come, things will be perfect, there will be no more, you won't, have, you won't ever feel like you, have, you can't fly. All of us will be flying. And time keeps passing, and keeps passing, and keeps passing, and he does not come. And things become more difficult, because as a Christian, you are standing out from the crowd in the Roman Republic, because you aren't bringing your offerings to the Roman Emperor. So you cannot partake in a lot of things, so you're becoming that weird group, that fringe, those people. And you hear whispers from Jews who do not like you and who want to, they want to separate you from them. Because remember you're saying that we share the same God, but they stopped believing at an important point. Because we share the same God, but we just say the Messiah has already come and they say he hasn't come yet. So we're trying to separate you from us. We don't want them to think you're us. And what's one of the best ways to do that? Gossip. So you're spreading gossip, saying things like, Which is what we say we do when we do Eucharist, because it's the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. You're feeling ever more isolated, you're feeling ever more tired, and you're wondering, is this worth it? Is all of this worth it? And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, has he has a lot of beautiful answers, but his most beautiful answer starts in Hebrews 11. A lot of you might, from your um, Sonar school, which is what, Sunday school, might remember Hebrews 11, which is all about the beginning, which is all about faith, um, is about what you can't see. So we've all heard those verses. And then he goes on, and he talks about all of the faith heroes from the very beginning. So he starts with Abel, and he continues on the whole, it's from verse 4 onwards, right up until, you can just get to the bottom, right up until verse 36. So he's talking about, it, and in every verse he's talking about a faith hero. And what he does is he, he will say, Abel made an offering that was acceptable. Abraham decided to leave his country because God said, I want to walk a new path with you. So he's given us all of these examples. Because of God's promise, these people did these things. And then at the end, he tells us what a record of all these have won. Oh, no, sorry, what a record all of these have won by their faith. Yet they did not receive what God had promised because God had decided on an even better plan for us. His purpose was that only in company with us would they be made perfect. 
So it gives us this long list of heroes that tells us about, about their faith and how beautiful and wonderful that faith was. And then it says, but even though they had this faith, they never received the final answer to the promise. Why? Because God wanted His promise to be shared with more people than just those. Then he goes on. Because why, why talk about all of these people? Why does he mention them? In, verse, in Hebrews 12, first verse. As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way, and of the sin which holds onto us so tightly, and let us run with determination the race that lies before us. First thing that Hebrews tells us is that, yes, we are running a race, our life is a race. But when we are walking the race, which Nick also never does because he can't walk, he can just run. When we are walking, we might feel like we're walking alone. But the whole of Hebrews 11 was about telling us we're not alone. We have a crowd of witnesses, a crowd of people. We hear the same revelation that those who have passed before us are now the people before the throne who pray for us. A crowd of witnesses around us who have run this race and who have experienced how tough it is and who are cheering us on and who are praying for us. What a beautiful thing that is. So you might think you're alone in the wilderness, but actually you're in a stadium and there's a large crowd of people cheering for you. Which always makes it easier. Like even if you have one person, if you're alone and you're feeling pathetic and you have one person who says, yay, great, and you know they're lying, but still, it feels amazing. It just gives you a little bit of oomph. The next thing he says, which is beautiful, is that we have to remember who we are following. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ, who was, who is our example. And if we look at what he says in verse 2, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross, the worst thing that could happen. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right hand side of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. So not only do we have a crowd of witnesses who are praying for us and encouraging us, we also have the best example of how to get through the worst of situations. And this is where it's wonderful again for me, the fact that in Jesus as an example, we also see the flying and running and walking. Because yes, it says he knew the joy that was waiting for him beyond the cross, and therefore he was not afraid of the cross. But we, I mean, remember, if you think about the Garden of Gethsemane and where he was praying, he was afraid. He prayed until he sweat blood. So it's not like he was a superhero who had no, like Captain America or Thor who just walked 
threw everything, nothing touches them, they're just unafraid, which is actually unfair to Captain America. He does feel emotion. Thor, on the other hand, just walks through. Um, he felt the fear, he felt the trembling, he, and yet he persisted, and therefore he was rewarded. So he's not an impossible example to follow, but we should remember, because in, if we think about what he went through and we think about what we're going through, then a lot of the time it becomes a little bit of a first world problem situation. I don't know if you guys know the joke. Okay. Not always, but a lot of the time. The last very, very, very important thing we find in Hebrews 13, just page to that. There we go. We find it in Hebrews 13. Keep on loving one another as Christian brothers and sisters. Remember to welcome strangers in your homes. There were some who did that and welcomed angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Remember those who are suffering as though you were suffering as they are. And then the last verse, you can go on the next. Let us then, oh sorry, do not forget to do good and to help one another, because these are the sacrifices that please God. Think of those who are in prison as if you yourself are in prison. Think of those, be with those who are suffering as if you yourself are suffering. And this is where it's sad that we, in today's day and age, we think of faith as an individual thing. It's my faith. And that's why a lot of people say that we don't need church. Um, and in some ways I understand that and I agree with them because traditional church can be really, really um, challenging for your faith. Let's just say that. But then we, we throw community out as a whole and we just go alone. It's me and God. And the answer to the flying, the soaring, the running, the walking, and how we cope with that is in community. Because the wonderful thing is that we talked about this, is that all of us are never at the same point at the same time. At the end of the year, yes, we are closer to walking, most of us are closer to walking than to flying, but we are in varying places. And the reason for that is so that we can be there for each other in ways that we would not otherwise have been able to. Because I have walked, even though I might be soaring at that stage, when you are walking, I can be there for you in a way that I would not otherwise have been able to. Because I really understand, which is not about bragging. And I can even, it's not about saying, I can be there for you in a way to say also that this walking too shall pass. But not in a bragging way. Not in the, I'm sorry. 
But the worry you get there one day. Not that. But being there because you know how it feels, but also being able to show, like, look, look at where I am now. I was there too. It's possible to go. Because it's not a cycle that only goes down. It goes up and down and up and down. That's the way life is. We need each other. We need to be in a community where we share openly and honestly with each other. Where I can say, it's going crap in my life. And other people can be there for you. That is the only way that we get through this thing called life. Never mind the, the year, the year called 2017, any time that we are down. I wish, when we don't have the energy of Ephraim, then we get each other through. His energy is inspiring. At, well, at this stage of the year, it's a little tiring. I can't imagine how anybody could be that energetic. Yo. But they're switched on. They're not early. They're not. They're not early birds or night owls. They're just on. Birds. Yeah, they're just birds. <laughs> Eagles. Eagles. But I think in the end, in the community, that also we balance each other out. If we are in a community, if we are alone, then it's just me and my feelings. If we are together then we can, we can lift those who are walking, those who are flying. And in the end, we can almost reach a front level. Let's not be too idealistic. <laughs> so what is the answer? The answer is, don't go alone. Which is really important, because when we are down and when we are walking, what is the first thing we tend to do? We tend to to push people away, we tend to, to go into our shell and leave me alone because we're afraid to be vulnerable. In this space, in this space, with each other, let us make a pact that we're not going to do that so that we can care for each other and inspire each other and in the end, ensure that all of us in the race, but not limping, in the race beautifully. So that Chariots of Fire can play over all of us. If you're a kid, dead, well, no, Chariots of Fire is a classic. Everybody has to know that. Right? Okay. Let's pray. Lord God, when it gets to this time of year, most of us are tired. And all you want to do is crawl up into a ball and forget about everything. And it becomes so difficult to even hold on to the essence of our faith, which is that you, God, are enough. You are all that you need. Forgive us for, for our doubt, for our fear, for our feelings of impatience, anger, frustration. Thank you that we know that you understand them so much better than we can ever think. 
Because you experienced it yourself. Thank you for being so human and yet so completely other. Because you did not only feel those feelings, you triumphed over them. I ask that you help us through the Spirit to keep our eyes fixed on you. Jesus Christ, our example. So that we, wherever we are, in the cycle of life, in the cycle of our emotions, we will know in our bones that you are with us, that you understand us, and that you will never ever leave us. Lord God, thank you for community. Thank you for a group that we can share in. Thank you for joy and laughter. Thank you for faith. Where we tend to be so individual, it becomes so difficult for us to open up. Thank you for the answer. Thank you that you keep on bringing people into our lives, even though we push them away, or we might push them away. Thank you for these people here tonight. Help us, through your spirit, to be the community that we all need. Give us the eyes, the empathy, the ears, to know where we, where we are, where anyone is, and to help where we live. But the way you would help. Without each other, we are nowhere. Thank you that we never have to be alone. Be with us in the week ahead. Be with us as a community. Help us to open up more and more every time we see each other. Help us to grow closer together. So that we are not just people who gather together and we have a Sunday. But that we become a family. And that we are able to care for each other as a family would. Sure. We pray this all in your name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.